All right, so we are in a very short little series. I simply call it the big three. And it's called the big three because it involves three words. And those three words are faith, hope, and love. In this time of year, in this seasons of life, we have uh, around Thanksgiving and going up into Christmas, we see these words hanging on walls. We have them on our wall, faith, hope, and love. Maybe they're around the different family pictures you have in your house. If not, you can go to Hobby Lobby and pick up a few of those and uh, put them in your house. But uh, yes, uh, last week we talked about faith. Obviously today we're talking about hope. And the next week we're going to talk about love. And I know next week is, is around Thanksgiving time. We encourage you, if you're in town, uh, to come and invite a friend, invite your family to come hear the most powerful, the greatest of these three words, love. But we find all three of these words together. And it's in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11 through 13. And this is from the love chapter. And this is from the Apostle Paul. It says, when I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face, meaning we will see God the Father face to face. Now I know in part that I shall fully know even as I am fully known, which means we're going to understand everything when we're in heaven. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. And I don't mean to oversimplify these words. They're really short, uh, simple words, but they are extremely uh, profound. And these words will help us in this life. So I want to encourage you to, to walk in faith, hope, and love, because if faith is not increasing in your life, and if hope is not sustaining you, and if love is not growing, then your sight and experience of God will fail more and more. Our goal is that faith is increasing, hope is sustaining you, and love is growing in your life and in my life as well. So last week, again, we talked about faith, and you can go listen to this sermon online at lakepointonline.com or through our mobile app. You could do a search on that. But last week, we talked specifically about two areas of faith, uh, and that, that revolves around the faith for the pleasure of God. We please God with our faith. And the second thing we talked about last week was the faith for the perspective of God, the viewpoint, the vantage point. The writer of Hebrews, as I shared last week, said that without faith, it is impossible to please God. God, impossible. And he said that phrase right in the middle of a list of people in the Bible we call the, the, the chapter of fame or the, or the hall of fame there in God's word. And he lists you, people that you and I, whether you have been in church all your, all your life or you kind of dabbled in, in Christianity a little bit, you have probably heard uh, the names of one or two or more of these people in Hebrews chapter 11. But right in the midst of all of these people, he says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Yes, he used an example of Moses. Moses in the Red Sea, the faith in God to part the Red Sea. And you think, man, that's awesome. That's great. I wish I could see that um, vantage point from God. I wish God could show up in faithful ways in my life like that as well. But you got to remember, where was Moses at? He was in between the Red Sea and the Egyptian army. He was close to being defeated. I mean, they just escaped Egypt. God just moved the Israelites out of Egypt, and now they're caught. 
now it seemed hopeless. So in the middle of that, we have faith. He also used the example of, uh, of Joseph. Joseph uh, in the Old Testament, where he talks about how Joseph was, uh, was let down by his friends. He was accused by his boss. He was rejected by his family. In the midst of that, in the midst of troubles and trials and persecution, he had faith. It was their trust in God during a time in their dark life. That's really where faith is. Yeah, walking in faith, believing that God is there when we pray, believing that God wrote the Bible, believing that God is here in this place, believing that God is going to take these, these, uh, uh, these gifts here, these Operation Christian Child boxes that has the gospel inside, and faith that, that children would get those and they will understand that, yes, and believing that uh, missionaries from Emerson will be sent around the world, yes, that is faith, but faith is also, and don't underestimate this, faith is also living a life of trust in the midst of trials, tribulation, and persecution. Faith is not merely believing for God to do something in the present. Faith is believing that what I do by faith in the present affects the unseen and the future. When you respond in faith to the junk of this life, if you've ever faced junk in this life, raise your hand, and if you're not raising your hand, you're living a lie, okay? We all face junk in our life, okay? But the way we respond to the junk in our life, the trials, the persecution, everything, the way we respond to that and in trusting God is our faith. And when people see that, you're affecting people's lives whether you realize it or not. And you're, uh, you're building a legacy of faith that's gonna affect people that aren't even here on this earth. You have future family members here on this earth that will be affected by your story of faith. I have great, great, great grandchildren that Obviously, I've never met that's going to be affected by the way I live my legacy of faith as a father and as a husband. And yeah, I make tons of mistakes. You can sit down and Suzanne can write a book on all the mistakes that I have made. But through all of that, I've lived by faith. And you can too in that legacy of faith. And one of the things, two words that I share with you how you could do that is, is when you're in trials and tribulation, you're usually around people that have things that you want, okay? Like if, you, if you're having, facing trials and tribulations of health, you have a bad health diagnosis, okay? And uh, you, you have other people that are living life great. Okay, you may have a bad health diagnosis and you could be pretty fit and you got some guy at work that you know, eats a McDonald's and he has Krispy Kremes every morning for breakfast and they're just fine. And you're like, what in the world is going on? And so, but one way that you, in that simple example, in that simple example, you can live by faith even through the middle of your trials is, is uh, to celebrate and to connect with people who have things that you desire. You desire a promotion. Somebody else at your company gets a promotion, even though you feel like you worked harder, and that other guy is like a friend of a friend of the relative of the owner of the company, or whatever the situation is. What do you do? What should you do? Living by faith, you celebrate. You celebrate with them. You connect with them in authenticity 
and that will help you to live by faith. You know, um, faith cannot exist without trials, and your faith will not grow without trials. Faith cannot exist without trials, and your faith will not grow without trials. That is not my theology, okay? That is from God's word. We even see this in James, the brother of Jesus, and he, he probably knew a, a thing or two, but James chapter one, verse two through four, consider pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing, everybody say testing, the testing of your faith, okay, and, and, and you and I both know that, that tests, these tests are more like pop quizzes. These are unprepared tests that come in the midst. And by the way, this is a little sneak peek at Christmas. Our Christmas scene for this year is called Unplanned Christmas. An unplanned Christmas. And so, just like Christmas can kind of be unplanned, it's like, whoa, I didn't see that coming. How am I gonna respond to that? This life throws pop quizzes at us. And so, um, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Everybody say perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. And so right there, we see that faith and trials and persecution go hand in hand. So when that happens, you can know this. Ah, God's got me on a fitness plan. I see that. God's got me on the fitness plan of faith. He's trying to grow my faith in all of this. So don't be, don't let fear come into your life. Don't let depression step into your life. Don't let anxiety step into your life. And I know those are natural human responses. But through that, have perseverance knowing that God has got you on a faith fitness plan and he is going to stretch your faith and it's going to help you. So today we come to the second word, hope. How does faith and hope connect? We see this, and we actually saw this last week in, in that same chapter in Hebrews, just in the first verse of chapter 11. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about we do not see. Faith is confidence in what we hope for. You know, faith is sort of the, the forward motion while hope is the engine that propels our faith. You know, we, we have our own sort of definition of hope. You know, your, your hope could be simple like, I hope, I hope Pastor Sermon's short today. Um, I hope that there's a short line at lunch today. I hope that uh, Georgia uh, is able to uh, defeat LSU in the SEC championship game. Um, there's all kinds of hope, and that hope is sort of an optimistic skepticism, you know, to where it's sort of shallow hope, you know what I'm saying? It's shallow hope in this life. Yeah, we can hope for those things, but is that really biblical hope? Is that the hope that we should really be rooting our life around? What is biblical hope? Well, biblical hope is rooted in the finished work and the promises of God. So there's two things about hope that, that I really want to focus on today. <clears throat> and one of them is this. 
we're going to talk about the pathway to hope. Like, what's the path? Okay, Frank, hope is kind of a, this weird, kind of just general word, and it's kind of out there, and, and how do I know what hope is, and how do, I, how do I get there? So we're going to talk about how to get there, and then we're going to talk about how do I know if I'm living a life of hope? How do I know if I'm actually living a life of hope? So first of all, the pathway to hope. And we find this pathway to hope in Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. And if you have your copy of God's Word, we encourage you to uh, turn to that in Romans chapter 5. So we're going to be in Romans chapter 5, and then we're also going to be in Romans chapter 8. And the uh, passage of Scripture will be on the screen um, as well. So Romans chapter 5 verses one through five. And this is the Apostle Paul writing this, and it says this. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Romans chapter 5 begins by exploring the great benefits that we have of the redemption Life. You know, before chapter 5, Paul explains sort of, you know, the, the, the whole process of, of redemption uh, by faith, by redeeming us and justifying our life. Justifying means that just as if we have never sinned. And God made peace with us through the sacrifice of his son, Jesus. And that peace is forever with us. And because of the redemption, we now can rejoice in the sure hope that we will one day experience the glories of God. That is the biblical hope that we will one day experience hope. So Paul's just saying this, look, the, the greatest hope that you can ever have is when you and I pass away from this life, we will be with Jesus. We will have an eternity with God and there will be peace and there will be no longer separation from God. Let me ask you a question. Why are you here today? Why are you here today? I know you didn't come here just to hear me. I know you didn't come here to just listen to our awesome worship. You know, why are you here today? You could be in a lot of different places today. Obviously, you probably know people that are not here today. You probably know people that aren't even in church today. But why are you here? You're here because of hope. You're here because you believe that there's hope in Jesus Christ so that you can have communion with God the Father one day in heaven. That is our ultimate hope in this life. So because of the redemption, we can even hope in in heaven, but we can also rejoice in our suffering. Paul introduced a challenging idea, and the Christians can see suffering as a cause for rejoicing. He, he doesn't mean it as something to be happy about. We don't, we're not joyful 
about suffering, okay? We, we're not joyful when we get in a, a car wreck and someone, you know, hits our car and, and we're like, oh, joy, Jesus, yeah. You know, it, you're, you're a little a bit lunatic if you can approach joy like that. But, but our, our, our troubles like that, the joy that we have is much, much deeper. So instead, those who are saved, who have expressed faith in Christ, can declare to ourselves that this suffering in this life is worthwhile. You know, you and I probably know people who do not follow Christ. And when they have suffering, they just have to deal with it. And that's it. There's nothing else they can do with it. They just deal with it. They hold on to it. They, they waddle through it. They, they are frustrated by it. There's nothing else that they can do with it. But as believers, and what Paul is saying is this, because of, because of Christ, because you and I follow Christ and we have, have brought him into our life, invited him to be Lord of our life, you and I can have a different approach. When suffering comes, we can rejoice in that because what it's going to do is going to lead to something else. And we can say, we can have pure joy in the fact because there is a purpose to your joy. It is worthwhile. It provides an opportunity to grow into the person God is calling you to be. So there's, so the first pathway, obviously, is salvation through Jesus Christ. The first pathway to, to, to hope, ultimate hope, is salvation through Jesus Christ. The second is to understand that our suffering, any trial that you're going through, no matter what it is, your trials is something that is going to produce something in you that God wants to use in your life. So suffering produces endurance, which is the next thing. We see this in this passage. Endurance, which is the endurance is the ability to continue trusting God for longer periods of time and through difficult circumstances. It's the endurance of trusting God for longer periods of time and with difficult circumstances. You could probably look back on your life and you might could have seen how God has brought you, if you're a believer, has brought you through suffering and maybe that suffering wasn't that, it didn't last a whole long time. But then you got through that, through the grace of God. You became a better person through that. Your, your faith was increased in that as faith and hope and love are, are, work hand in hand. But you may have noticed that your next trial or your next suffering was just a little bit longer. And, and then you got through that. And then af after that, you're... Your suffering was a little bit longer than the one before. What is God doing? He's making you a long-distance runner of hope. He's making you a long-distance runner of hope. I know, you know, most of us don't like running unless we're running from something. We don't like, hey, I'll just go run, you know? But sometimes God puts us in a position to where we, we've got to have long-lasting endurance to withstand the race. And, and it's not a race as first place. It's the race of finishing. The prize comes from those who finish. 
And God's not going to give you something that he's going to say, okay, I'm going to train you for a marathon. So we're going to start off with a 15-mile run today. So if I came to you and said, hey, let's, we're going we're gonna to start training for a marathon, we're going to start with 15 miles. You'd be like, uh-uh, I can't do that. How about we just start walking? Yeah, we'll walk a mile. Yeah, we'll walk a mile, then maybe a few weeks later, we're walking two, maybe three miles. And then we decide to maybe walk run, you know, or those weird little, those people that kind of shuffle run walk, you know. I'm sorry if that's you. But, but then the next, the next few weeks that happens after that is maybe we, um, maybe it's a little bit longer. Maybe we go through a longer period of running. Maybe we run for two miles and then five miles and, and, and 10 miles. And so that's how you do it. And, that, and God's fitness plan of your hope looks like that. I challenge you to go back in your life and see how God has put you through trials of different lengths. He's building endurance. So it's long-lasting trust. And then what Paul says, that endurance leads to character. He adds that a battle-tested faith of endurance produces in Christians the quality of character. Christians of character choose to keep doing the right things on a consistent basis. So the pathway is that suffering causes us to trust God in a deeper level. And the more we trust God, the more likely we are to constantly be making those right choices. And we become Christians of proven character. The longer that you and I can run through endurance and through suffering, and through our suffering, make those right choices by faith, we talked about that last week, okay? And through that endurance, that's going to build within us hope. And it's gonna build within us the character that God longs to bring into our life. And then Paul concludes this section of Romans 5, one through five, the pathway of hope by saying that our hope will never put us to shame. Our hope will never put us to shame. What Paul means is our hope will be fully vindicated. We will never in the end be disappointed by hoping to receiving goodness from God. Okay, we, we, we are going, we're not going to be disappointed. If we follow this pathway of, of, of suffering and, and welcoming that in our life and responding that through faith and we are enduring those trials through faith and, and we're making those good choices and that's building character and it's giving hope in our life, we are not going to be disappointed like that. Okay, it's not going to be like your, your favorite sports team who keeps letting you down. It's not a gospel built upon the Falcons, right? That keep letting us down time and time again. Although the win last year, last week with the Saints is pretty good. That's great. But people will let you down. Things in this world that we put hope in will let us down. That's why we can't put hope in the things of this world. We've got to put our hope in God. And the people that don't know God and don't have the Holy Spirit in their life, they're holding on to hope by themselves. There's nothing they can do with that. But you and I, there is a purpose for our hope. God will always, always 
keep his promise to us that hope will be there. And the reason why is, is because of love. And we'll talk more about this next week, but at the end of that chapter, uh, in the uh, end of that section that we just read in, in verse five, and hope does not put to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. Why? Because, why do we can rest assured of hope? Because God's love is there. And God's love is in us because of the Holy Spirit. So with hope, we have the pathway to hope. The pathway to hope. Accepting Christ as Savior. Walking in in, in suffering, welcoming that suffering in our life, and through that, making right choices as we have endurance through, uh, through the program that God has, that long-lasting running, long-distance running endurance, and that produces character, and that ultimately produces hope in our life. So that's a pathway of hope. So how do you know you're living with hope? How do you know you're living with hope? We see this in, in Romans chapter 8, verses 22 through 25. Romans chapter 8, verses 22 through 25. And it simply says this, again, Paul, the Apostle Paul. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, not just creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, who are believers, groan inwardly as, as in childbirth as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no longer hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. So in this passage, how do we know that we are living with hope? You know, the biggest takeaway I get from this is that we desire heaven. We desire heaven. You know, Paul doesn't step away from suffering and pain. He talks about childbirth. I've never experienced that, but I've seen it in action, and I don't want any part of that. Amen? Men? Amen. Amen. And so childbirth is very painful. Just like that, we, there is pain in that. There is suffering in the midst of hope. The pain is real, and humans experience it in this life. The point here is not that pain is pleasant, it's a miserable thing, but, but can, we can, what can get us through the pain is knowing that awaits us on the other side. Much like a, a, a woman who's pregnant, a woman who's going through, through childbirth, that what gets them through that, through the labor of childbirth, is knowing that there is going to be, in, in, in most cases, a child on that other side. And so that is what gets them through that. And so that's why Paul uses this analogy. Paul shows us that it's not only creation that groans, all of creation that groans and waits for, 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 for God uh, to come in and take over the world and for the redemption of mankind, but we are also waiting for the day of suffering when we, um, when suffering in, will end and we will all be made right. 
But while creation is waiting for God's children to be revealed in glory, we are waiting for something more specific. We are waiting eagerly for the full process of adoption into God's kingdom. Because let me, let me share with you like this. If, if you have accepted Christ as Savior, you've, you're already adopted. You're adopted into the kingdom. You've accepted Christ. You said yes to follow Jesus. So you're already adopted. But guess what? We're not home. You're not home yet. It, the, we're not done. We still have the, we, we're, we're here with, the, with this, uh, the fact that we are adopted, but that we've got a whole other process. We've got we to be home. Many of y'all know our, our adoption story. Just this, just this past week, a couple of days ago, we, we celebrated Gotcha Day, okay? Gotcha Day is when, the day that we celebrate that Lawson, Marion, and Lincoln walked off the orphanage property for the last time, walking hand in hand with us, Gotcha Day. And it was awesome. And that was eight years ago. It's incredible. And so, gotcha day is, is just one part. We still had to travel through the majority of, of Ukraine, all the way up, because we're in the south part of Ukraine, which is now part of Russia, and we had to go all the way to the north part of Ukraine, and, and, uh, and we had to fly there in a <laughs> Ukrainian airline, and that was very interesting. And then we had to go to the capital, and then we had to fly all the way to the United States while in the process not being able to communicate with our kids because of the language and all of this stuff. And, and so there was a journey that happened between them accepting us. It was really unique, and you could, I could write a book on this, and one day I probably will on the fact of uh, how this has affected our life and how close it resembles our adoption with Jesus Christ. But there was a time when Lawson, Mary, and Lincoln, they had to stand before a judge, and the judge asked him, do you want to be a part of the family? Do you want that man to be your father? Do you want that woman to be your mother? And they said yes. Just like when we say yes to God through Jesus Christ, yes, be my father. Jesus, be my savior. And when we make that decision, we are adopted. And that was what made it final. Judge signed it. And we had the documents. And we went to the orphanage playground. And we played with them just a little bit more, packed their bags. And then what we did is we walked off the orphanage property for the last time. But let me tell you something. Just like we had to have a journey back home, we are on this journey we're on the journey of hope. You are adopted if you've accepted Jesus Christ, but we're not home yet. How do we know we're walking in faith? You're thinking about heaven. You're thinking about heaven. I don't know what the kids were thinking because I couldn't communicate with them, but I do know this, that they were probably wondering, I wonder what home's gonna be like. I wonder what our home's gonna be like. You know, we had some FaceTime, you know, conversations at, with Madison, Landon, and Logan, and, and kind of shows them some, some things, but and we have a glimpse of heaven through here. We have a glimpse of heaven. Jesus tried to talk about it as much as possible, and we have that. So this is sort of our FaceTime with heaven, but we really won't know until we're there. And in the meantime, heaven, heaven 
propels us in hope. We think about heaven, and there's hope in our eyes. I remember seeing the first time when Lawson came in from school, and we were in the orphanage director's uh, office, and he walked in. And I asked him this yesterday, just to make sure. He said, Lawson, did you, did you realize why we were there? He says, yes, I remember why you were there. And I remember thinking, they, they might take us home. You know, they might take us home. And so there's hope in his eyes. Is there hope in your eyes? Is there hope in your life? Jesus is going to take me home. We're not home yet. Yes, we are adopted. You can't see it. If you can see hope, it's not hope. If you could see hope, it's not hope. And I hate to say that to you, but that's just how it is. Hope is something that can't, Paul talks about that. Hope is something that you cannot see. We can't see heaven, but we can see glimpses of it. And we can have the Holy Spirit talk to us. One of these days in heaven, we're going to be surrounding the throne of God with a billion angels and the, the holy church throughout all creation gathered around the throne of God. And we're going to be singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. That is our hope. How do you know you're living with hope? You got heaven on your mind. Heaven on your mind. You don't care what the suffering, you don't care the suffering, because guess what? You're going to be in heaven. And you know that the suffering is going to produce some things in your life that God is getting you ready for. God is going to use that suffering. There are people right now sitting here in this church, listening online, that you are walking through some junk. I know, because we're praying for you. But know this. Endure, 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 please. Because it's going to build perseverance and character, and God is ready to use that. And in the meantime, keep heaven on lost a loved one, lost a relative, lost someone maybe you've never even met, you hope for, guess what? Heaven is there. Heaven is there for great reunion for those who have accepted Christ. So my, my question to you today, have you accepted Christ? You know, and go back to the beginning of my sermon. The pathway, the pathway begins with Jesus. The pathway begins with Jesus. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You want hope in this life? Jesus, it starts with Jesus. It starts with Jesus. If you're sitting here today and you're like, you know, Frank, I, I've messed up my life. Or I've never accepted Christ as Savior. And I, I've been hearing you talk about it. I've heard other people talk about it. I see it in the, in the lives of other people. And it's time for me to make that decision to follow Christ. You may be sitting here today thinking, you know, Frank, I just, I need to be thinking about heaven. Or I've got junk in my life that, that I just need help. I need people praying with me as, as I walk through it and, and to help me be strong as I endure this long distance run because I'm really, really tired.
We're here for you. That's why you're here today. So if you want to accept Christ, or if you just need prayer, the altar is open. The band is going to sing a song. And guess what? They're going to sing a song about heaven. They're going to sing a song that words to a song that we're going to be singing throughout eternity because it's written in the Bible that we're going to be singing this song, or the words of the song at least. And so as they sing this song, and just a moment as we stand and we sing, the altar is going to be open. I'm here. Let me pray with you. Let others pray with you. Let's do this together. Let's walk together and endure together as we hold on for hope and as we think about heaven.